Hey y'all, it's Barb. It's Shay. We're here to talk about a murder that's gonna knock you off your feet. So giddy up y'all, this is gonna be a wild one. Hi listeners, we hope everyone's week has gone great so far and thank you for tuning in to the Texas Chicks podcast today. I'd like to go ahead and dive into today's episode. It's a very special one. Um, just because you guys had the opportunity to vote on three different cases that we could cover by the end of this month. If you're new to this and you haven't listened to the last month's um, March's voters episode, it's basically where we give you guys the opportunity to choose between three different out-of-state, out-of-Texas states um, murders, and you can pick which one you'd like to listen to and vote on it. With that being said, the three cases that we gave the chance to win for the month of April were the Zodiac Killer, Ed Gein, which is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Lizzie Borden. I would like to say that this month's votes were so close. Oh my gosh, they were so close. They really were. <laughs> yes. Um, only two cases were pretty much neck and neck, though, with one another, and that was the Zodiac and Ed Gein. So let's go ahead and announce the winner for this month's voting episode. Drum roll, please. Ed Gein. Yay. Yay. <laughs> FYI, <laughs> listeners, today's case is definitely rated R. So please take that into consideration when you're tuning in today. Quick chat, though. I do want to ask the question before starting today's case. To you, Shay, do you think that serial killers are born to kill or made to kill? So, in my opinion, I feel like it's both. So, I feel like they can be born to kill and then at the same time be made to kill. So, like, they could grow up in a bad home um, or they can just be born to kill because not everybody who is a serial killer was beaten or whatever when they were younger. Um but I think you can also be made to kill by your your experiences. Um, but then you also have to think, like, you have people who were beaten when they were younger, but now they're success- successful business people. So it's like, it's hard. It's it's The brain is a crazy thing, and I think something happens somewhere in the life of a serial killer. Um, but what do you think? Um. Well, I actually had this conversation with my husband the other day, and I was like, oh, I want to um, actually ask this on today's episode because of, you know, what really takes place with Ed Gein. But um, like you said, I think it's like 80-20. I think that 80% of the time, killers are made to kill by the um, upbringing of their home. Um, More often than not, like, killers are born being sexually, physically, emotionally, physically, all of the above, um, you know, abused growing up. And most of the time they're being, um, you know, brought up in a poor home or um, struggling to put food on the table and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just kind of want to see what you thought, really. Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like everybody has, like, different opinions, and I feel like anybody could be right, honestly. Because no one really knows. Yes, 100%. 
Um, with that being said, I do want to go ahead and transition into today's case. I did get a lot of my information from ChasingTheFrog.com and Wikipedia.org. So the movies we know and are, quote unquote, um, based on a true story just aren't really captivating what actually happens and what truly happened with this killer, Ed Gein. As movie directors and writers, a lot of time wrong information is added or like padded information is added and played on screen in order to make like the movie the most juicy or entertaining so that the box office goes crazy and tickets sell really well. Um, so today I'll be trying to like really cover the most important facts and details that are true within this case. We will go ahead and begin with who Ed Gein was. This man was born by the name of Edward Theodore Gein. He was born on August 27, 1906. He was born and raised and pretty much lived in Wisconsin his entire life. Growing up, he was the middle brother. He had two brothers, one younger and one who was older. His mother was named Augusta, and she really hated her husband that I could find. She didn't like how much he drank, and I found that their relationship and marriage was actually really rocky for most of their marriage. His father was named George. He was a previous business owner for a local grocery shop, but ended up actually selling the business. This led the family to move into another city within Wisconsin. Here, he really could not keep a job. He would get side jobs, such as a carpenter, an insurance salesman, and pretty much anything to have some sort of income coming in. Whenever they moved to that different city, they'd actually settle on a huge piece of land, and I am putting that all in caps. This home was in pretty much like the middle of nowhere, and it was an old abandoned road, and it sat on about 155 acres. That was Good now. Night. Yes, it was now all owned by Ed's family. So I do want to say that um, it's kind of funny to me because like in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, if any of you guys have actually watched them, like that is pretty much accurate. Um, the house literally sits on a huge piece of land in the middle of nowhere and on a dirt road. I found that Ed didn't do much of anything besides go to school and come home to attend to the farm that they had. So whenever they moved out, they started working and building on a farm. His mother, Augusta, was pretty religious too. Lutheran to be specific. I don't really know what that really entails or what their actual beliefs are within that religion, but she was really into it. She would actually read the Bible almost every day out loud to the children, um, selecting really weird and absurd Bible verses to read them. Um, these verses actually contained murder, violence, sin, and death. Huh? That's weird. Why? Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, I don't know. She was a very odd woman from what I can read, and... Um, I think it had a lot to do with brainwashing her children. Mm. She, I mean, with this being said, like she even instilled into her three sons that every woman was an instrument from the devil except for her. Okay. She's on a whole nother level. She's, she's trying to do a cult. Yeah, that's what it <laughs> sounds like to me. Um, really odd. 
Ed Gein was, in turn, a really shy boy, and his classmates and teachers would make accusations that he could have been, like, really weird just by the things and the um, words that he would say and do in class. He betrayed odd mannerisms. They said Ed would, like, a lot of times laugh at nothing or maybe, like, a joke to himself. Um, he particularly did really well in school and excelled in reading. That was something that he was way above average in, was reading. He wasn't allowed to have any friends and actually would get into trouble from his mother if he made any. So, I mean, you could pretty much assume he really lived an isolated life. He didn't have any friends. He didn't have any people that came over. He didn't go to anyone. He didn't do anything after school with people. He wasn't sociable um, in class. He was pretty much to himself. And this wasn't, this in turn, like, he didn't have an opportunity to really socialize with people. Yeah. And like with that, with socializing, it's probably because, you know, his mom is trying to get him to believe in these certain things. But if he socializes with people, he's going to see like, okay, this is really weird. Like, why is my mom doing this? Like, this is not normal. You know, so she didn't really want him to see that that was a true, like that she was telling him weird stuff. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. Um, I want to talk about what happened um, shortly, just within a few years or so. On April 1st, 1940, Ed's father, George, would pass away due to heart failure from all of the alcohol he consumed during his years of living. He was only 66 years old at the time. So this pretty much made Ed Gein and Henry, which was his um, brother, start to work and try to help, you know, make all these, this money to cover all the expenses of their home and their farm and just maintain, um, you know, living in quality, um, quality. I believe Ed Gein would have been like 30-ish years old at the time, and they were, too, pretty much doing random jobs within the town. Just whatever job they could find. Ed would commonly babysit for neighbors and people within the community. He admitted to liking children better than adults. After a while, his brother Henry met a woman, and after dating her for a while, he decided to move out and leave Ed Gein behind with their mother. I don't really know what happened to the third brother. Um, I didn't really talk about him. Um, I guess he wasn't really much involved. Um, with this being said, Henry often spoke bad about their mother, and Ed would always get angry. He did not respond to it really well. Um, it was something that they would have arguments about, and I found that he was actually obsessed with their mother to a huge extent. Yeah, it's like from all her dang brainwashing. But I found it weird that um, she allowed him to babysit. So I thought that was pretty weird. If she didn't want him to socialize with other people, then why is she? I guess he's 30 years old now, but he still seems like he's he's babied by her. And he still acts like he has a childish like mindset. If You know what I mean? So, yes, and that's true. Um I haven't mentioned it yet, but shortly actually after their father passed away and he had to take on these jobs, she actually became very, very ill, like deathly ill. And um, he was pretty much 
just trying to get any kind of way of income to take, like, continue taking care of their mother and obtain the responsibilities of, like, having money come in, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that does. That that makes total sense. At that point, she's probably like, I don't even care. Yes, exactly. Um, and I guess she knows at that point, too, that he's 30 years old already. And if I have him in my clutch this long, like, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, that makes sense. So... Um, about four years later, after his father passing away, Ed and his brother were burning away some marsh, um, like in the back um, from their farm and whatnot. And in doing so, a fire got, like the fire got really out of control and it started to spread across their property um, quickly. So the fire department ended up coming out and they were able to dis- distinguish it by the end of the day. However... His brother ended up going missing, so a search was set in motion to find him. With lanterns in hand and a dark moon, they uncovered his body in the grass, laying face down, and they thought he had died from heart failure since his body was not burned. Whenever the autopsy began, they saw bruising on his head, but dismissed it, and they, you know, dismissed the possibility of foul play. They just thought that... You know, he had a heart attack and fell to the ground, and that could explain, uh, you know, bruising on his head and whatnot. And they ruled his death as an accidental asphyxiation. And what brother was this? I believe this was Henry. Okay, and Henry is the older brother, right? Um, I'm not 100% sure. It didn't tell me if it was the younger or the older one. Okay. Yes. Um, Shortly after this, his mother had a really bad stroke, which really declined her health. Um, That's what I kind of talked about earlier. And Ed pretty much took on the role as her caregiver. An incident occurred where he and his mother ran an errand to get some straw for the farm. And she became very, very angry. I mean, she basically, they pulled up to get the the, um, straw and... A woman was living with the man at the home, but she was not married to him. And this angered her. Like, she became very, very angry. And after returning home, she had a second stroke, which declined her health even more. And she ultimately ended up passing away at the age of 67 in the year of 1945. And you can assume that this devastated Ed. And in his words, he had, quote, lost his only friend and one true love and he was absolutely alone in the world Mm. that's i get that they were close but you can't say one true love that's so weird yes i mean at this point you can pretty much uh put two and two together i mean i think he was in love with his mom yeah and they might have been a little bit closer than what a father and mother could have been yes i think so um after his mom passed, he used the money from work to board up all of the rooms in which his mother had touched. So um, he did this so they wouldn't be touched, they wouldn't be bothered, and it would be as if she had left it the way, you know, that she had left it. He boarded up his mother's room, the upstairs, the downstairs parlor, as well as the living room. He wanted them to be just as she left them untouched you know so in term of the years past it would literally be like she could have been, still been living there that is so weird like i'm i don't understand yes um 
Yeah, trust me, you're really not going to understand here in a minute. <laughs> um, so whenever he did that, Edward would move into a small area next to the kitchen. This is when his crime started to begin. So let's go ahead and talk about that. On the morning of November 16th, 1957, so about 12 years later after his mom had passed away, a man by the name of Bernice Worden disappeared. He was a local shop owner, um, I believe to like a little um, gas station or something like that, or a grocery shop. A local resident told investigators that he saw Bernice's truck exit from the back side of the shop at about 9.30 a.m. It was noted that the shop only saw a few people come in to purchase anything, and they believed this was because at the time it was deer season, and many people would actually be out hunting for deer at that time. The owner of the store had a son named Frank Worden. He was a deputy at the time and was actually the first one to arrive at the store and noticed something went horribly wrong. He told investigators that he entered the shop at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon and the first thing he noticed was his father was not there. So he quickly went over there to the cash register and it had been opened. Um, so I don't know if money was missing, but it was just sitting out in the open. And he would take note that a quite a bit of bloodstains were on the floor. According to Frank, Ed Gein also had been in the grocery store the morning before his mother's disappearance. Mm. So, yes. So, I think his mother disappeared um, not a few days earlier. And um, he took note that, okay, they were already looking for his mom and now his dad is missing. And with that being said, Ed had actually returned the next morning to buy a can of antifreeze, and it was a big gallon. A sales receipt was the last thing written by Mrs. Worden um, before disappearing. So this could also be sent into evidence, um, and now he is a huge suspect for the disappearance of both of them. After finding out this, police set out an arrest warrant for Ed Gein, in which he was arrested that very same day. And as soon as they had him in custody, a search warrant was issued to be searched for, at the Ed Gein farm or the Gein farm. And a gruesome discovery was discovered. As soon as the cops arrived, they would uncover the most horrific scene. It painted such an evil, chilling to the bone picture that it almost seemed as if it was out of a movie. They indeed did find his mother, Miss Worden. She was found hanging upside down by her ankles with a crossbar holding them. Her wrists were tied with ropes and her torso was, quote, dressed out like a deer, unquote. So with that being said, I think that that meant that she was gutted um, at, the, at the torso. And uh -huh. even worse, she had been decapitated. Even with such a brutal and agonizing death, do you want to know what else was actually found stashed in the Gein Farm headquarters? Eyeballs. <laughs> so, police would find a wastebasket made of human skin, human skin covering several chair seats within the kitchen, the living room, throughout the house. 
Human skulls were made for bedposts. A lampshade made was built from human face. Bowls that you could eat out of were made out of human skull. A belt was made from human nipples. Four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. So that would be like something you could pull up and down the window shade and, you know, open and close the the blinds. There was actually a pair of lips at the end of that. And masks made from female heads. These are just to name a few. Like, there was so much, much more I did not even list that was actually found inside his home. Like, what in the Ugh. heck? That grossed me out so much. I got chills. Like, ugh. That's yes. so nasty. Yes. I have, like, literally when I was researching this, like, draw dropped. Because obviously I have known a lot about it but I didn't really go to the extent of researching it this thoroughly and I was like oh my gosh yeah I, I, it literally made me have a jaw drop moment and I was like covering my mouth I was like oh my gosh <laughs> yes like it's so mind-blowing because these items were dated some of them to be as old as 15 years Ew. he was doing this for 15 years it probably smelled so bad in there Oh, 100%. 100%. The cops, after finding this, the cops quickly and got right on it. They were interviewing Ed, and he basically told them that within about three different graveyards, he'd actually make about 40 visits to them, in which he would dig up middle-aged woman or women who had been recently buried and returned home with their bodies. However, within those 40 visits, sometimes he would come home empty-handed. The police were able to confirm this whenever they dug up the victim's graves and found the bodies were removed from their grave. It would soon be found out that the reason behind this was that quickly after Ed's mother had passed, he wanted to create a human bodysuit so that he could basically become his mother by, quote, crawling into her skin. Ugh. Gein denied having any sexual relations with the corpses because they, quote, just smelled way too bad, unquote. <laughs> I mean, hello. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Um, some people who knew Ed Gein and were pretty close to him actually told police investigators that he had some shrunken heads on display in his home in jars. In which Ed said, when asked, that they were relics from the Philippine island. So they quickly were like, oh, okay, makes sense. Okay, you must like this stuff. Okay, whatever. However, they soon discovered that they were carefully designed and peeled off skin. In which Ed would wear them as masks from women. So he had them on display and would actually just like the Texas Chainsaw um, did. And in that movie, I would like to point out that it was from, like, him having a disease on his face, which deformed his face, but that was not the case. Nothing was wrong with his case, or his face. The only reason why he wore these masks was to be like his mother and, um, like, a woman. He wanted to be a woman. Mm. So the trial now begins, and... The date is on November 21st, 1957. Gein had gone to court 
and in the first degree of murder, he was charged um, with Miss. Well, he wasn't charged with Miss Warden's death. He actually pleaded guilty um, due to insanity. Or I'm, I'm so sorry. He pleaded not guilty due to insanity. So he wasn't charged, like I just said. After further mental testing, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and was deemed not fit to stand trial. He was then transferred to Central State Hospital for the criminally, criminally insane, which had maximum security in Wisconsin. He even had a second trial for the murder of Bernice, her husband, but said it was accidental that what actually happened while he was in the shop, he actually unloaded a bullet and it killed Bernice while he was looking at a rifle that um, they had in the shop. During this trial, he was ruled again as mentally unfit to withstand trial and was sent back to the mental hospital. And this is where he spent the remainder of his life. I have a question. Um, where did they find the father at? What father? The, the Bernice Warden. You know, it never even said. It never even said. I'm assuming somewhere on the farm. It really just talked about the, the, the wife being found. So I'm not 100% sure where the husband was, but that he was going to be charged in that murder, um, but was ruled accidental or something like that, which that didn't even make sense to me because obviously you can see that he's psycho with all the stuff in his house. Yeah, like clearly he has issues. Yes, like how could you think that was actually an accident? Maybe because most of his victims were women. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's. I mean, if, I don't know, this case is crazy. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is way different than this. Yes, um, it is. Like I said, I think movie producers put put what they want to put, and then they say based on a true story whenever they're not really putting the right information out there. So let's go ahead and talk about the farm, like what happened to it and, and whatnot. So, the huge farm was listed and appraised only at $4,700. So, I know, but who would want to buy that, honestly? Tear down the house and start over. (laughs) Oh, just so much gruesome stuff. Like, knowing that you're living on that property when all that took place in 15 years would just unnerve me. I could never do it. I Um, could, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) So... His possessions were actually often auctioned off on March 30th, 1958. It was even rumored at the time that maybe the farm in the house would become a local attraction. But that idea quickly feathered away because just 10 days before the auction was supposed to happen, so on March 20th, a local crew who was supposed to be burning trash nearby or nearby the farm actually set the field in a blaze. I mean, this fire spread very quickly. And in turn, the house was burnt down with everything else. Mm. But with that being said, arson was questioned. So maybe somebody actually set the house on fire. Who cares? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that was literally never further investigated. It just kind of was like brushed under the rug. So as far as Ed Gein's vehicle went which was a 1949 Ford sedan in which he transported the dead and alive human bodies back and forth with was sold at a public auction for just 760 dollars 
and a carnival showman actually ended up buying it and he put it on display in his carnival and he would charge people 25 cents to come and see it hey i mean got to make your money back somehow right yeah i mean honestly i think that's mind blowing that honestly i feel like that's something i would do you know just just because like that's pretty i mean it's not cool but being so fascinated with true crime and stuff like that, that is, like, huge. I mean, there's stuff display on uh, death museums in California and New Orleans, like, from serial killers. You can literally go pay, like, 25 45 bucks to go and see all this stuff from serial killers, you know? Yeah. So, the death of Ed Gein. Ed Gein died while still in the mental hospital. Just like I said, he was going to live the rest of his life out there. His death was due to respiratory failure. He had developed lung cancer, which ultimately ended his life. And he died in the year of 1984 at the age of 77 years old. Mm-hmm. Over the years, Ed Gein's story has been manipulated, told, and even made into film. Some movies that reference his grueling crimes are such as American Psycho, deranged house of a thousand corpses and of course the texas chainsaw massacre to name a few his story and crimes really do captivate a crazy killer and mentally insane human and a crazy person who likes to dig up dead bodies yeah and sorry it's it's so weird that in texas chainsaw massacre it makes it seem like he murdered every single person he came in contact with when he only technically murdered two people well i don't know if he did end up murder more murdering more than that i think he did i didn't really dive into it these are just the cases or the people that really set the investigation into motion that really caught the police's eyes but he was really more into digging up dead women's bodies um it's crazy how these people like can literally exist for so long committing such nasty murders and like crimes such as digging up graves and ex- and do experiments experiments and so like go so unnoticed. It's crazy. It really is. Um you know just what he did and what he like took the time to make and you know, the waste baskets and like the walk in and there's literally human skulls on bedposts, like just mind blowing. But that being said, what do you think about Ed Gein? You know, it's crazy to me that I haven't heard a lot of this. Like I've, I've heard other podcasts like talk about it and stuff. And I knew that Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't like the perfect little reference of it, but yeah. And I could, I've never actually gotten myself to be able to watch a house of a thousand corpses. So um, but yeah, I, it was a really good episode. Great job. Oh, thank you. I hope you guys really in, did enjoy it. Um, and feel free to watch any of those movies that I listed or do research of your own. I mean, you can really go and dive deep into this. Obviously I couldn't cover everything. I didn't list everything that was covered or that was found in the home. So if you're further interested, go look into it. Um, with that being said, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode as always. And Look out for the next voting opportunity for the month of May. Votes start on May 1st. And always remember, we love you and we hear you. And please keep your eye out for weirdos. 
And remember to stay out of dark places and watch your back because you never know who's lurking. Bye. Bye.